whew, I was just like weeping back there um, during worship because I believe that there's moments in time that the Lord releases such a fragrance in the heart of the believer that um, we could come under this umbrella of unity and really experience heaven on earth. And I think that worship's one of those places that he, he desires us to do that. And as I'm listening to the voices around me, um, just seeing praises to his name, I, Pastor Michael started talking about the throne room of grace and that it's actually a place, church, that's actually a place that we can come. Where we've missed it, where, where we just haven't seen the things in our lives align the way that we think they should, but when we come to God's throne room of grace, things change. They, they truly shift our perspective. And so I just felt led to lead with that and um, just honor what you're doing in this house and, and how well you, 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 you steward the presence of God so well. You know, I come in here during the week and worship music's playing. It's not just on Sundays and it's not just about the song, but you guys, you have a pastor in this house that's truly seeking God. He and his wife are truly seeking the Lord together and it shows. Look at the fruit from a year ago to today. And I think that that deserves some type of praise to Jesus right now just because of what he's doing. Because he said it, it's not about him, it's not about me, it's not about this microphone, it's, it's about Jesus. And when your perspective is shifted to, to knowing that it's all about Jesus, he just gives. He just gives you all the things that you need. We started talking about Matthew 6, last service, and if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that's a hot mic. <laughs> seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. And so... So thankful that we get to come to a house of worship. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's good to be together in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Boy, it would sure be pretty boring if Pastor Michael was up here preaching to himself every Sunday or, or me preaching to myself. It's, it's really cool to look out and see God's creation coming together in unity for his standard. Yeah. Any veterans in the house this morning? Any vets? Raise your hand up high if you're a veteran. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, for the veteran who, at a young point in their life, signed a piece of paper that didn't know what their tomorrow looked like. But you're here today. That's the grace of God. Woo! How many of you have enjoyed Pastor Michael's messages the last couple weeks? Yeah, come on. You know, there's power in proclaiming the word of God. Like, I don't know where we miss that in Christianity, where, where we just, we do the thing, we check the box, we come to church, we, I, I put my devotion in. But when you actually proclaim and prophetically profess the word of God over your life and your situation, situations become places where the Holy Spirit can come in and truly change the trajectory of the path that you're on. That's why the word is so powerful. The word of God says in the word of God that it is alive and it is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword available to both divide bone and marrow, understanding the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's a word. Chew on it. Like, how awesome would it be if we would position ourselves every morning before the throne room of grace of God saying, I don't care what you have lined up for me today. I know you're with me. 
No matter what path you've caused me or, or, or challenged me to walk, I know that you are with me. I don't care what the diagnosis said last week at the hospital. I know that you are with me. Y'all, I was in the gym yesterday with a brother who is in his teens, and I hadn't seen him since July. I kind of switched gyms, and he has this, like, his hair was fuzzy, and I was like, he, it looks like I should know this young man, but, and he's like, hey, Scott, and so then I immediately felt like, oh, man, he's been battling cancer since July, and he was in the gym working out, and we began to just have conversation about God, and I said, he said, yeah, I'm still battling cancer, and I said, no, you've already beat cancer under the blood of Jesus. It's done. And that's just the profession that I felt like I was supposed to proclaim over him. God keeps aligning these meetings that I can't even begin to tell you the Kairos timing behind them. It's ridiculous. And, and it's just stepping grace for grace with Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, if you're surrendered to him, if you're surrendered to coming together in a place of unity like this, you can be equipped and you can be sent out to do so as the Lord sees fit. It's not just about what happens in this house on Sundays. Please don't miss it. It's about taking the word of God and flowing with the kingdom of heaven, with the Holy Spirit, out there to a lost and broken world. You are what the world is waiting on right now. The church is never going to look greater than it is in this hour, I'm telling you. God has something for us to achieve in this hour that has never been seen in the likeness of man throughout all creation. You are standing on the threshold of the kingdom of heaven and you are taking it to the gates of hell. And you're, bearing, and, and you're breaking down walls and you're tearing down barriers and you're breaking generational curses in your family. I'm telling you guys, if you'll get in line with God's design in this hour, you'll see the things that your heart longs for. You truly will. And that's what we're doing. And I want to stay on this path of what a powerful church looks like. A powerful church, say this with me, a powerful church dwells in unity. Now say it again with some unction, with some gusto. A powerful church dwells in unity. You know that you were not meant to do life alone? This might take a minute. I had a time cap on the first service. We may be here till 5 p.m. tonight. I'm going to preach till the paint comes off these walls if I have to because I need people to be equipped for what is next. Because what is next is so glorious. There's such a transition in faith right now that God wants to pour out on this earth if we'll just be adamant to look towards heaven, look towards things above, and not what's in front of us. The Apostle Paul understood this. That's why he was able to boldly say these things, like, look toward things above. We need to be able to see from the lens of heaven in this hour, church. We have to. We have to because God is instituting a standard of righteousness right now that cannot be done just by checking the box anymore. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to know what he knows and go where he goes. He's sending out worshipers who will worship him in truth and in spirit. I love that word, what you said about worship being your warship. Let worship be your warship. Some of us don't like to worship. You're really not going to like heaven because that's all we're going to be doing is standing around the throne, worshiping him, singing. It's one song. Holy, 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 holy is he. So you better practice now. I want to be good by the time. I'm a terrible singer right now. I want to be good by the time I get there. (laughs) Hallelujah for his grace. God begins with unity, church. He begins, like if we look at the Bible from front to end, we see that he actually begins with unity. Genesis 1.26, let's take a look together. 
What does Genesis 1.26 say? If, if you can say it without looking at your Bible, I'll give you a, a brownie point. Maybe we got some candy we can throw at you or something. I don't know. This is a verse that I would challenge my youth when I was pastoring in Buckland to, to write on their mirrors every morning so when they woke up, they would look at it and see that that is the way that they were created. Genesis 1.26 says, who's got it? Let's be class participation. Genesis is the first book, right? Genesis means what? The beginning, right? Who's there? Miguel, come on. So he said, let us create man in my image. Is that what I heard? What did he say? Our. My likeness? Our likeness, right? So who was who, with God? Did he have a frog in his pocket? Say it again. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, God instituted this grace upon humanity where he would believe that we could actually walk, talk, and breathe just like Jesus, moved and motivated in the Holy Spirit, carrying the characteristics of himself. Come on. So when you say things like, I'm just a dirty sinner saved by grace, you're made in the image of God. It starts there. It starts here. I am filthy, wretched, horrible. I'm a sinner. I'm terrible. There's nothing I can do but Jesus. I know through you I can do all things. I know through you I have been made righteous. I know through your blood I am remiss of all sin. And you look at me as a saint now, not a sinner. Come on, somebody. I, I, I'm telling you... I'm telling you, yes, we still miss it. I'm human, you're human, we're human. There's going to be where, places where we miss it. But if I continually beat myself up with the word of, I'm just filthy, I'm just wretched, I'm not redeemed, I'm not restored. I, come on, somebody, you, you see it? I have to wake up every day and remind myself that the cross of Calvary was enough. I don't have to sacrifice Jesus again and again and again and again. What was done once on Calvary's hill instituted a specific grace upon my life to do what the Lord has called me to do. And if I'm made in his image, I better look like him. And if I am made in the image of Christ, I better smell like Jesus to a bunch of non-believers. Come on. Man, I love how the word just, mm, just cuts you. Because it's alive and it's active. And if I'm not looking at myself rightly, it's because I'm not looking at him rightly. I'm not positioning my heart in a place to know him deeper. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. That's a unity right there. That's a, that's a unit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Godhead, three in one. We sing the songs. What do they mean? They mean that he is not just important, but he is the pinnacle of our life. He has to be. It has to be daily bread with Jesus. That's why we pray the prayer. It's not, I got saved when I was 16, bro. I can go do whatever I want. No, you can't. I mean, you can try it. I did. And then when you're 27 years old, God has to snatch you by what hair you have left on your head and pull you into the reality. You're not as cool as you think you are. And, and, and you can go this way, but you're going to miss a lot of blessings. You're going to miss a lot of the things that I have. But if you'll submit to me, if you'll come up under my authority... I won't only restore you, I'll put you, about, I'll put you around a bunch of cool people that have been restored too, and you can have a tribe to do life with. And you can be one unit, one spirit, one God, one mind, one Lord, who is creator of all. That's what the Spirit of God does. He creates such a unity within the body of Christ that we can look at a broken world and we can say, 
Man, we got to stay away from them. They're the dirty sinners that we once were. Instead of that mindset, we go, they need the grace that we got. They need the grace that I received. Paul would say things like this. I am the chief of sinners. I'm the chief. I've been the chief of sinners, right? But what? But what happened to Paul? He had a Damascus moment. He had a road to Damascus moment that turned him into from Saul to Paul. One in unity with the Spirit of God. Literally, the man wrote two-thirds of the New Testament after that to the churches. Come on. If he can do that with one man who is persecuting Christians and torturing Christians and have a moment with Jesus where he says, not why are you persecuting my church? He says, why are you persecuting me? So how much does Jesus care about unity in a prophetic utterance of the future of his church now that we would walk hand in hand with him and with one another? Come on. It's about loving God and loving people. It's about dwelling in unity. This is called koinonia. How many of you are familiar with this word koinonia? Amazing word, right? It means to fellowship and have communion with God and his people. He extends the reach beyond himself to people as well, not just with God, but with his creation. Come on. Like it's his hand of reach. His grace, how many of you know that the hand of God is not too short to reach the people that are practicing Satanism right now and against everything that you're standing for this morning? Is his hand of reach too short to go in there and grab those people? That'd be a little God. I wouldn't want to serve that God. How many of you know that his hand of reach is not extended to my circumstances? Just my circumstances. His hand of reach is not too short to go out to the places where nobody else would trod. I, I, I love pastors. I love, I love polished messages. I love the church. I love the saints. I love the brothers and the sisters. But I love the shepherds that smell like dirty sheep. That are willing to go out and just get in the trenches. Because they've been with Jesus. At the end of this life and, and, and while we're living here together, there's one thing that people should say about us. I can tell that they had been with Jesus. I don't know what it is about Pastor Michael, but he smells like Jesus. I don't know what it is about his ministry and what he's trying to stir in the hearts of the believers in Manila, but I want to be a piece of that. I want, I want to be a part of that. I want to come together under that umbrella, under his anointing, and, just, and, and I, want to, I want to do things. I want to, I, want to, I want to till the ground with him. I want to create furrows so that we can plant seeds, and then that those seeds can grow as the Lord waters them. Man, that's what I want. That's what I, that's what I believe the Lord's up to in this hour, calling us to a place of unity that hasn't been seen yet. So what is unity? Let's, let's, go to, let's go to Psalm 133. Let's just check this out together. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. <laughs> I love preaching the word of God. I don't know. It just it excites me, man. I love hearing it from Pastor Michael. I, I just, it's so intoxicating. The excellency of brotherly unity. This is a song of essence. It's of David. He says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil of consecration poured on the head, coming down the beard, even on the beard of Aaron. Coming down on the edge of his priestly robes, consecrating the whole body. It's like the dew of Mount Hermon. Coming down on the hills of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing of life forevermore. 
So what happens when we come together and we dwell in unity? God actually commands a blessing on the meeting place. Come on. And in the Old Testament where they had to carry this tabernacle around and it instituted the presence of God, now we have the Holy Spirit that connects us in unity, living within us in such a place that we become one spirit, one mind, under one God, under one roof. I love how pastors started today praying for other pastors. Come on. Just, just because there's different denominations on the church door, which... That's a whole story we'll probably have to get into in another time. I don't have time for that today. But God's grace covers, and if we pray for people, I hope they're praying for us. Guess what? We can still be all together under the same Spirit. And God can move in a city where you're in different buildings. And you can see restoration in the market when two pastors that are pastoring different churches are actually in the same room. You can see it. I'm not saying you have to do everything that they do, be everything that they are. God has called every person for a specific time and place. He's placed a specific anointing on Pastor Michael. He's placed placed a specific anointing on you, believe it or not, to do the things that he's called you to do. So what do we know about unity? It's good, right? It's pleasing. It's a pleasant thing. It's, God takes great delight in this. He takes good pleasure. It's a sense of serene wonder and beauty when God's people live together in unity. You know that, that the world at large, and we've heard this in many different circles, is I don't go to church because you guys can't even get along. I, I don't go to church because, you know, it's split over X, Y, Z. Well, that's why we declare after every service that you're not just to go to church, you're called to be the church. And when the church starts being the church, it will be like this pleasant aroma for people on the outside that they'll want to become on the inside. That's what the world's waiting for, a place to belong. They're waiting for a place to belong. And when you come together in unity and put your own self, I say you, we put our own selfish desires aside and say, yeah, that may not have been the way I would have done it, but I, I trust you that God's put you in a position to speak to me about that. When we change our focus to that, you're going to see revival break out in every service. You're going to see, you're going to see a, 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 the cloud of God's presence in every service. So it's good. It's like anointing oil, right? It's like this anointing oil. It's representation of the symbol of God's blessing. In the Old Testament, priests were anointed with a fragrant oil as a representation of God's hand over them. The Levites, right? There was one tribe that was allowed to be priests, and it was from the tribe of Levi, right? And so what they would do is they would anoint these priests. You can go check this out in Exodus 30. You can write that down and check it out later. Um, They would anoint them, and, and they were the only ones available to experience this oil of blessing. Wow. But guess what? Can I tell you something? Jesus came and gave us the authority to be sons and daughters in his kingdom. And now we get to partake in the holy covenant of God's love when we dwell together in unity. It's a truly divine blessing, church, to be able to say, Jesus Christ is my cornerstone. I don't move or operate out of what he has called me to do. And when he calls us to do things, you're going to get uncomfortable. 
The last thing I ever wanted to do when I first became a believer was pick up the microphone and preach. Didn't have, didn't have a heart for it, didn't want to do it. I remember Miss Betty approaching me saying, hey, you've been downstairs with the kids long enough. I think you should come upstairs and give us a word. And I said, nah, I'm, all, I'm okay, I'm good with the kids. She said, that's the problem, you become too comfortable. You become too comfortable. And you need to come and you, need, you have a word that you need to share with God's people. And I was sitting in that church service and I heard the Lord tell me, you're going to lead my people. And I think I smacked my wife and I was like, did you hear that? Because I know the, the pastor's voice and it wasn't him. She probably thought I was crazy when I told her, hey, I think I'm supposed to preach. And, and, and we were just, we were adamant about wanting the things of God. We, we didn't care what it looked like. We didn't care how it sounded. We just wanted the things of God. And so we collectively together said, you know, no matter how it looks, no matter what it looks like, no matter how hard it is, and it's been hard, it's been hard, we just said, we'll take it. Because the anointing oil has flown down to us and we're ready to receive it. And, and when that happens, church, hold on, buckle in. God's going to take you to some places that you never, ever would have imagined or even thought you could go. And he's good and he's faithful and he holds us to a standard of righteousness that is so cool because we couldn't reach it on our own. The Holy Spirit is absolute. Uh, he, he's absolutely not just needed, but he, we, we have to have him. We have to have the Holy Spirit or we're setting ourselves up for failure. And he is that anointing oil. He is that overflow in us that is flowing out of us. Because once you get full of God, you need to release what is in you. Press down, shaken up, running over so that the world can see his goodness. When people squeeze you, they should just get Jesus. When people pass you in a no passing lane, they shouldn't get a finger. They should get Jesus. Bless you, sir. All five of them up, four and one thumb. Bless you, sir. We're not asking anybody to read between the lines. It's bless you, sir. <laughs> spirit of self-control is absolutely a fruit of the spirit. <laughs> it's good. It's pleasing. It's an anointing oil. I want you to see it's like refreshing rain. Come on, somebody. It's like refreshing rain. This, there's this high mountain that talks about, it's like the dew of Mount Hermon. This mountain was north of Israel, just a, just a few clicks, and it received so much rain that it was a source of moisture for the lands below. So it was the overflow, come on, when we dwell in unity of God's blessing upon us, the same way the blessings of God flow to his people, not just in this life, but the one to come, church. The intentions of God as we dwell in unity is to prosper us, is to grow us, is to build his kingdom through us as we extend our love and commitment to other people. That's unity. When we extend his grace, when we extend his commitment, when we extend his love to other people, that's how people know that you've been with Jesus. When your life represents the fruit of Holy Spirit. I know a lot of people that said I prayed a prayer when I was 16 years old, but I've seen no fruit in their life. And I'm not throwing stones. I'm just saying, that was me. I was inebriated in a bar at 21, 20 years old telling people about Jesus. Now, I'm not saying he can't work through that. But it probably put a stain on the belief that I said that I beheld because there was no lifestyle change in me that, was, that I was trying to show these other people how to institute in their life. And so I became to a place where I was like, I just can't do that anymore. The, the Lord really woke me up one morning and he said, that's just not for you anymore. 
His grace was so sufficient. I remember, and this is not a G-rated moment, so kids, if you're in the room, like, I, was, I had a spirit of pornonia in me early on. Like, it was, it was an addiction of mine. I was into some things I shouldn't have been. And I remember so lovingly, because I felt so ashamed of dealing with this, that I, the Lord so lovingly took me, and he just told me, Scott, that's just not a part of who you are anymore. He didn't beat me over the head with his word. He didn't smack me in the face with the Bible. He said, that's just not a part of who you are anymore, son. That's just not a part of who you are anymore. And guess what? When you give that up, I'm going to give you something better. And he's been doing it daily for my entire life. I have a beautiful wife. I have some pretty cool kids sometimes. Like, I, I feel like the most blessed man alive. I really, truly do. I'm kidding. I love my kids. Sometimes we want to have Abraham and Isaac moments, but... I love my children. I love, I, I love my job. I love my job. <laughs> it's okay to laugh in church. We're not in the library. What unity is not? Let's go to Proverbs 6. So we talked about what unity is, and we'll look a little bit about what unity is not. It says, starting in verse 16, These six things the Lord hates, indeed seven are repulsive to him. Woo. I want you to see the climactic buildup to what God detests, okay? A proud look, the attitude that makes one overestimate oneself and discount others, a lying tongue, Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that creates wicked plans. Feet that run swiftly to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies, even half-truths. And one who spreads discord among the brethren. God hates gossip. He hates slander. He hates Anything that we're speaking against his bride. Did you know that he's jealous of us? He's so, he's so protective of his bride, it's, a, it's like a jealous love. It's like anything that tries to come in between us and God, he is like vehemently stiff-arming. That's mine. Keep your hands off my child. Keep your hands off my daughter. Keep your hands off my son. And we know from Scripture that the enemy is the accuser of the so if I see somebody excelling in the faith, excelling in, in, in the church, excelling in their position, their anointing is overflowing, and I become overtaken by a spirit of jealousy, I may start to talk about that person who God has used to help raise me up in the faith. And now I've cut my blessing at the knees, and now I have to start all over again. And guess what? If he didn't send that person again, he's going to send somebody just like that person. So you might as well submit and come under God's covenant of his umbrella, of his love, and start to learn with a tender heart. He hates discord among the brethren. Why? Because it secludes us. Can you show the picture for a second, Chris? Because it's secludes, and I want you to, again, don't, don't do this in the spiritual, but for the moment on the picture, take your eyes off Jesus and just look at the wolf and the lamb. Look how scared that lamb is. You see him? That wolf is ravenous, like it's ready to take that lamb's life. Correct? This is what discord does because we seclude ourselves, and then we try to call it Christianity. We seclude ourselves from God's flock, and then we try to call it staying in one unit, but yet we're sitting at home 
And all we, all we do is, is watch the 700 Club, and then we, we chalk that up as, a, as, a, as our faith in Christ and growing in our nature and in Christ's likeness. This is a dangerous place to be, and I'm not saying that God won't hide you in the cleft of the rock for the season. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. What I'm telling you is, is if we come to a place where we completely discard the bride of Christ and we throw haymakers at her and we give her a black eye, it's a dangerous place to be. We need each other. I need you. 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 I need, especially need you, the hottie blonde in the third row. We need each other. I need you. I need you. I need you. You need me. I've got something that you need. You've got something that I need. Your gifting is different. My gifting is different. We share and we both have the same thing. And the power of God can work mighty through that. He can work mighty through that. I've had people my entire life I did not want to learn under. And God basically told me, until you learn to submit and learn from them, you're going to be stuck. You're going to be right there by the wolf. And I love this picture because it gives the nature of our Savior. Like that, that makes me want to, that was me right there. That's me. That, that's, that's him leaving the 99 for the one. And he'll do that. He will do that. But that's not his intention for you to separate yourself from the flock. If he ever calls you into the corner by yourself, it's with him, not away from him. If he ever calls you into the cleft of the rock, into the cave, it's because he wants to meet with you and he wants to dine with you. He wants to sup with you and he wants to teach you great and mighty things that you did not yet know. But he doesn't want to keep you there. We need each other. More than ever, yes, especially at times such as this. And here's the thing about the kingdom of God, church. When we unite under the umbrella of God's covenant, under the spirit of Christ, it's like this mobile kingdom. And we just move from place to place to place to place, tearing down strongholds, tearing down the darkness, running through the gates of hell and grabbing souls for God's kingdom. Two weeks ago, there was the shooting in Dodge. Two people passed away. I made it my journey of faith to go steal two more back from the enemy. And I went to the gym last week and two teenagers gave their lives to Christ, repented of their sins. That's Jesus. And if he takes two more, I'm taking four more from him. We don't have time to sit back anymore and help. hopefully the pastor figures it out how to fix my relationship with Jimmy down the street. That's not his job. He's got enough going on. His wife's got enough going on. Man, what has happened and transpired in the last year of their ministry is truly amazing to me. The acceleration that God put on that anointing is crazy to me. This is fruit from that. Two services a year later? In a town of eight, 700 people? Only God can do that. That's what I love about him. He, he takes no... What was it? What am I for? What? Say it again. He doesn't take responsibility for that. I mean, he takes responsibility for that, but he doesn't take credit for that. The Lord did that work through him and his wife. And he's, guess what? We're just getting started. 
We're just getting started. You ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet of a powerful church dwelling in unity. God doesn't just start with unity. He also sustains unity. Come on. Jesus Christ being the cornerstone, right? He will sustain the unity within the body. He will send people to our aid when we need them. Come on. He talked a couple weeks ago about, about the gifts of the Spirit. And, and these are things that some churches just don't want to tread on. We're not scared to. I love that about you, Pastor. You're bold. I told you that one of the first times I came. You're bold. And I love that about you because there's no room for weakness in the kingdom of heaven. There's room for weak, meekness, but not weakness. And so here's what here's what will happen. And I can I can attest to this because I've been in this. I cut my teeth on the ministry of Holy Spirit. I said this in the first service. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't graduate. And I'm not against anyone who did. Please, if the Lord's calling you to that, do it. It's just not what he called me to. I would cut my teeth on learning the word of God simply by sitting down and saying, Holy Spirit, help. I don't know what else to do. I need you to help me understand this. And you know what? He does. And I cut my teeth on the ministry where I was just talking to people in the streets about Jesus. And then he gave me a jail ministry. And I got to teach people about Jesus in jail. And I got to see miracles in jail. I got to see urinary tract infections healed. I got to see backs healed. I got to see things that I'm like looking back now like that was crazy. You know, I remember praying for that guy specifically about the, with a the UTI. And I was like, where do you want me to place my hands, God? This is weird. And, and I told him that. I said, dude, this is weird. But I said, if he can raise Lazarus from the dead, he can take care of a urinary tract infection. And so I just put my hand about on his belly button. That's as far as I was going. And I said, Jesus, heal this man's bladder. And I left. And a week later, I came back to do another ministry call for them. And guess what? This man said, the day that you prayed for me that morning, I was peeing blood. After that, I haven't peed blood once and I haven't needed any medication. That's the power of God. I'm not in here to say, look what Scott Tilly did. I couldn't care less what I do. If it's not Jesus flowing through me, I don't want it. Yeah. I don't care. I'm just a bald, tattooed biker who fell in love with Jesus. That's it. <laughs> I'm still falling in love with him every day. He's so good. I just, I just need the church to see in this hour like what God wants to release to us if we'll just come to the, to the spirit of unity together. If we'll come to the throne room of grace together and say, we're sorry where we missed it. We repent for that. God, we need you to move us forward. And he will. And he is. You don't have to go much further than social media to talk about those things we talked about. I, I could make a post in an hour talking about some of the testimony I just told you. And I'll have 18 different people from 18 different biblical backgrounds from 14 different theological seminaries telling me how I'm wrong and they're right. And, da -da 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 -da. and guess what? That's fine. I don't care. I'm not in it for you. I'm not in it for me. I'm in it for him. So whether you believe in those things or whether you don't believe in those things, I'll tell you that this is the church who believes in those things. We believe in those things because they're so needed in this hour. There's like an urgency in me to tell people, Jesus is coming. You need to get ready. And I'll tell you this, the same people that will tell you that they don't believe in miracles will be the same people that call you when they need a miracle. Hey, Pastor Scott, can you pray for me? I thought you didn't believe in miracles. I will because I'm called to do that. I love you because there's still, I have a lot to learn 
and I'm not perfect, and I don't have it all figured out, and I'll pray with you, but I want you to get to a place in your faith where you believe it for you. When you believe it for your neighbor, when you believe it for your cousin, your uncle, your aunt, your mom, whoever. That's what I want. I want to build in such a place of faith where there ain't no demon safe where you trod. In the schools, in the home, in the mall, in the wherever. That there ain't no demon safe where Miguel Grimaldo's feet tread. That's what we want to do. We want to build to a place of faith that we can release people that what's happening in here happens more extensively out there. And then when we come back on Sundays, we can talk about what happened out there. Jesus healed that guy in Walmart. Did you see that? It's pretty awesome. You can't tell me the disciples didn't have those type of conversations around the campfire. Did you see that demon manifest in that kid? That was crazy. Throwing itself in the fire. Then Jesus just came up and rebuked it. Come on. They're people. You and I are people. Write this down, would you? Don't Don't wait to believe in the miracle until you need one. Do not wait to believe in the miracle until you need one. When we come together in unity, I believe that miracles are just a byproduct of the nature of Christ. Whether it's salvation, whether it's healing, whether it's a word of knowledge, whether it's prophecy. The reality is that Jesus was very clear on what unity should look like for kingdom purpose. And, we're, and if we're not following his leading on this church, we might as well fold up and go home. There's no point in meeting. That's what I love about Pastor Michael. He's very adamant about we want what Jesus wants. And we don't want anything else. I've heard it said that he's not going to deliver your mail to somebody else's house. So he has something he wants to institute to you as a believer. Matthew 12, 25, Jesus said this perfectly. He said, any kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste. And a city or a house divided against itself will fall. It is pointless to build a house unless it's built on the things of God, church. Because it's laid to waste, and a city or a house divided against itself will fall. We can put watchmen on every corner of the city. We can put watchmen on every corner of the state. We can elect politicians and officials that we think are going to fix things. We can put them on every single corner of the United States. But if the, if the watchmen are not watching for the Lord, they are watching in vain. And we're seeing that manifest in the, spirit, in the natural as it is manifested in the spiritual right now. But I'll tell you this, the hounds of hell got nothing on the hounds of heaven. Nothing. And God releases his angels on assignment to do what he has called them to do. You're going to see things happen in your generation right now that your forefathers of the faith have been praying for. People died not seeing Roe versus Wade overturned. Come on. Yes, we have work to do, but that was huge. I believe, I believe a death covenant was, was taken off of America when that happened. I believe that. And I'm telling you that God is, there's exceedingly abundantly more that he wants to do. I don't want to trail down the political realm. I want to preach the kingdom today. But I think it's, it's duly noted that Christ is a, he's a God of life, not death. He's a God of, it says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Christ has come that we may have life, and life more abundantly. So why are there so many Christians walking around defeated if we're supposed to be living in an abundant life? 
If we're supposed to take this dwelling in unity to the next level in a place in so which the enemy, when he tries to come in, he's defeated on the spot because you have a praying pastor and prophesying congregation. God sustains unity as well, church. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 4. He's not just the author of it. He also sustains it. Starting in verse 4. You guys okay? I got about four more hours, so just hang on. You're going you're gonna to you're gonna have to TiVo. Is there still TiVo? You're going to have to TiVo that ball game. Is it TiVo? I don't know. Something, Vo. Yeah, since I jumped on that subject, I want to talk about that for a minute. How come we get louder for football games than we do in church? Say it again. It's an idol. Yeah, it can absolutely become an idol. Like, Jesus Christ has given us all a jersey to play on his team, and there's 66 books written about him, and he hasn't lost a battle yet. Yeah. And he gave every one of you a team, a team jersey to be on his team. I love sports, but not more than I love Jesus. Anything can become an idol. Your kids can become an idol. That's why we're mostly devastated when they don't do what we tell them to do. We've, we've elevated them to these little demigods. And it's like, oh, I didn't know you were human thought you were perfect you were my little angel your kid's not an angel neither is mine they will fail you and we'll love them anyway because i failed them but god sustains unity as we're dwelling in unity the power of christ can work tangibly in our homes and our meetings in the community in our schools and beyond look at this in ephesians chapter 4 starting in verse 4 there is one body of believers and one spirit come on just as you were called to one hope when called to salvation, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is sovereign over all and working through all and living in all. Yet God's undeserved favor was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately, but in different ways, in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and abundant gift. You are not meant to do life or ministry alone. Let me say that again. You are not meant to do life alone. You're not meant to just turn the 700 Club on Saturday morning and call that good. You need community. You're, when we don't dwell in unity, we're actually disobeying one of the very easiest commands of God that says, don't give up fellowship as some get in the habit of doing. And we've all been to those places where we find ourselves secluded away from church and we're like, well, this is the right way because, you know, I got peace over here. I don't have to deal with Sally. I don't have to deal with Jake. I don't have to deal with... Well, maybe Sally and Jake need you to deal with them. Maybe you have something that Sally and Jake need. You have a gift that they need to receive so that they can be propelled in their faith. Don't seclude yourself and call it Christianity. Some of you didn't bring your still toes. I got a real scowl looking at me. Don't, don't seclude yourself and call it Christianity. I've done it. And listen, I'm not preaching anything from behind this pulpit that I haven't experienced in my own life. 
I was pastoring two years when I told my wife, I'm done. I'm going back to the streets. These people are weird. I don't want to pastor a church anymore. People are mean. They're hateful. They're scowling. They, there's so much division in the board. I don't want to be there no more. I'll go back to doing Jesus my way. And the Lord said, well, I'll tell you later what he said. <laughs> you know, when you start judging other people, God gives you a real reflection of yourself. I'm not saying there's not room for righteous judgment, and that will be absolutely established and kept in this home. We have to judge with righteous judgment. But what I'm saying is, when I start throwing stones at other people, I shouldn't be surprised when four more are thrown back at me. I got a lot to work on, church. You got a lot to work on, especially some of you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We all got a lot to work on, right? But God sustains this unity. He sustains this unity. But, but we have to come to a place where we cannot seclude ourselves. Look, even Jesus needed 12, church. Even God in the flesh needed 12 people, right? They were all called together in what? One accord, unity, right? Some were what? Some were fishermen. Some were probably doctors. One was skimming off the top of the treasury. Not to throw anybody under the bus, but his name starts with a Jew, ends with a dust. Some were anointed to do certain things, some were anointed to do. But here, here's the story I love about Judas. He, even he had a place at the table. Even Judas got his feet washed by our king. That's love. He knew. He's God. He knew. But even Jesus had to extend a depth of love that the world wouldn't even understand. <laughs> Forgive them, Father. For they know not what they do. That was me. That, that, that was me. For, forgive them. Forgive Scott. For he knows not what he does. But we understand unity. The more that we're willing to walk. In unity with Jesus. He says this in John 13. A new commandment that I give you. That you love one another. Even as I have loved you. That you may love one another. By this all know me. And they will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So they're going to know him by the measure of love that you give them. Wow. But she believes differently than me. God, I don't want to talk to that person. She crazy. She thinks the same about you. But if you show them love, you can dwell in such a place of unity that the enemy can't come in and snatch it. There's God's protective order over it. So what is our role in all of this, church? I was, uh, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Michael, he gives, a, he gives a great message every week, but I went home and I was pondering on the message and, and he had asked me to come speak today and I, I was doing dishes and I was listening to worship music and I heard the Lord, because I knew I was going to be preaching on unity and I heard the Lord tell me, unity dwells where diversity is celebrated. Write that down, underline it three times. Unity dwells where diversity is celebrated. And this isn't bending moral value. It's not giving up and countering to the culture of sin. It's saying within the church. The Lord highlighted this in my heart that unity dwells where diversity is celebrated. And I began to ask the Lord, what does that mean, God? 
What do you mean by that? Because you know when he speaks to you, sometimes it's just a right now word, and sometimes he'll speak to you and he'll say, I want you to really study this and look at it from the inside out. And I begin to think about the disciples, and I begin to think about their function and their reality and their navigation through life with Jesus, and how every one of them had different placings and calls on their lives and anointings on their life. And I begin to think about the pastors that I follow and the people that I love, and how all of them are called differently. They're called the same, but they have a different anointing on their life. And I begin to thank God for the people that he put in my life. My tribe, my people, the people that I pray for daily. And I begin to thank him like there's so much diversity in that group, but yet we find unity within your love. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that Pastor Michael doesn't have to carry it all. That he has a team of people that help him and Brecken navigate life's purpose in this church. I'm thankful for that. So what is our role in this? One of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible comes from Romans 8, 19. And I want to preface this verse with this. You are what the world is waiting on. That's not to put unneeded pressure on you. I'm telling you that you are what the world is waiting on. It says in Romans 8, 19, For even the whole creation... All of nature waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons and daughters to be made known. They wait for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship and daughtership. What an honor. The whole world, some, some translations say with outstretched necks, are the creation, everything that God has created with outstretched necks is waiting on the sons and daughters of Yahweh to be revealed. For you to follow your anointing and purpose in Christ Jesus. And as this happens, we will be able to see unity in such a measure that the world will start to become attracted to the nature of Christ. We'll have to contend for it. It's not something that is just going to be given to you and you're going to be able to say, okay, I can check out now. I've got my church. I don't have to serve. I don't have to do anything. I've got the place that I need to go on Sunday. I can just listen to the message. You're going to have to find a heart of servanthood. You're going to have to contend for the faith of unity. Contend for it. You know what that means? Mike Tyson was a fighter. He had to contend for the title. People are always coming for that title. Maybe you're an Ali fan. I don't know. But we have to be one to contend for this. It's something, it's not something that we will, it is something rather that we're going to have to be diligent about stewarding, right? And these gifts, these gifts that we're talking about, the pastor was talking about that are for today, we are a church that believes that these gifts are for today and they are a priority, not just because they're cool and, and God can do some awesome stuff, but as we seek him, as we seek Jesus, those become a byproduct of the nature that's in the room. The healings, the things that God wants to do. The Bible says that signs, wonders, and miracles follow those who believe. What's following you? Signs, wonders, and miracles follow those who believe. And revival will come at the speed in which we're willing to submit. Revival will come at the speed in which we are willing to submit. Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 1 through 3, this is, this is the word of the Lord, what I believe 
giving understanding to what the unity, the nature of unity is. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to and beg to you to walk and lead a life worthy of the divine call that you have been called with behavior that is credited to the summons of God's service. Living as becomes you with complete lowness of mind, humility, meekness, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness, with patience, bearing with one another and making allowances that you love one another. And three, look at this. Three is where he really drives the stake home. He says, be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness and of producing by the Spirit in the binding power of peace. You're going to have to contend for unity. I'm going to contend for you. You're going to contend for me. If you seclude yourself, I'm coming after you. I'm pulling you back into the fold. This is where you need to be. This is what you need to be doing. We're moving forward, and we need you to come with us. This was God's word. The kingdom's not about one pastor. It's about the fold of God moving in unison. That's what's going to attract the world. We are a church that believes that revival is coming. We are willing to contend for unity. And as two weeks ago, as pastor stated, as we are a church that believes the gifts are for today, and when we make unity a priority in this house, we will begin to see those various gifts begin to manifest in our meetings. And we put others' needs ahead of ours. The gifts were created to glorify God. Why would he not want them to be seen? As peace and unity reign in this house, God will begin to open the floor of heaven, and we will see what we've been longing for. Not just here, but everywhere. God loves unity amongst diversity. We're wrapping this up with the understanding of a few things in Acts and a few things in Ephesians. Ephesians 4.11. This is how we know that God loves unity amongst diversity. And, he, and his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us, some to be apostles, which are special messengers, some prophets, those are inspired teachers and expounders, some are evangelists, they're preachers of the gospel, traveling missionaries, some pastors, shepherds of his flocks, and teachers. Why do I bring this up? Because that looks like unity to me. Whether you're in the same house or not, the various gifts are being instituted in the believer to grow the kingdom of heaven. Whether you've got prophets on one side of town and pastors on the other side of town, evangelists in Dodge City, or wherever the case may be, I do believe that there's going to become a time where he will call all five of them into the same fold and there's going to be something immaculate happen. I do believe that. I believe it's going to be when we least expect it. I don't believe that these gifts are limited to the same house. I believe that's why they are unified in spirit so they can be sent out and do the works of God. But when these are tangibly running in unison, you're going to see the things that you long for. And this hour, I believe, is an hour for those things to manifest. I believe that God is bringing a greater revelation of his love. I believe that these offices are needed to be functioning in full capacity, not apart from one another, but in unison. In the same building or not, we need to be finding unity with one another and not just doing status quo. And everything that we do, may it be done in the bond of peace. And church, as I stated earlier, this doesn't just happen on Sundays. I want to read to you real quick from Acts chapter 2. You guys okay? Only, you know, when I, when, it's been a while since I preached, so I, I got I to gotta burn it in my soul. I must preach. 
Acts chapter 2, starting in verse... Gosh, I can't... My hands are sweaty. Starting in verse 42. This will wake some of you up, I hope. (laughs) They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and fellowship to eating meals together and praying. A sense of awe was felt by everyone, and many wonders and signs attesting miracles were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed in Jesus as Savior were together and had all things in common considering their possessions to belong to the group as a whole. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing the proceeds with all other believers as one had the need. Day after day they met in the temple area, continuing with one mind and the breaking of bread in various private homes. They were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts, praising God continually and having favor with all people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. That preaches itself. As you love Jesus, as you are yoked with Jesus, you will become yoked with His people. This is not a time to seclude and move away from the movement of God that is coming. We want to get caught up with Brownsville. We want to get caught up with the Toronto outpouring. We want to get caught up with Lakeland Revival. But I'm telling you right now, God's doing something in this hour that you don't want to miss. And some of you old Pentecostals know what I'm talking about. Some of you other people are like, I don't know what he's talking about. It's revival or die at this point. And that's a word that has been hard for me to move around in my mouth. But I believe that it doesn't always have to look like we think it's going to look. As we move in his grace, as we move in unity, as we move in love, you will see God's presence do the things which he spoke forth for them to do. And God finishes with unity, church. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Who wants to see the harvest? I want to see the harvest. You don't plant as a farmer with expectation of that thing to die. You want to see those seeds grow. You want to see a harvest plentiful bountiful and I'm telling you right now that the harvest fields are plentiful but the workers are few when that hmm. I believe that we're standing on I said it earlier that the threshold of the biggest move of God I think that this world has ever seen do you want to be a part of it unity is going to be important in this hour and I want to pray. I want every every eye closed, every head bowed. I want to pray. If you, I just felt led to release this in the first service, and I'm going to do it again in this service. If you have been in a place where you desire unity within your life, a place where you, you know that you're sitting in that seclusion, you know that you're you have those feelings of aloneness. Maybe it's a depressive state. Maybe it's an anxious state. Maybe the enemy has you so wrapped up in your own mind that you don't even feel like you can breathe without trying and struggling. I want you to raise your hand. I see those hands. Keep them up. 
Father, I, I just, I pray and I release the word of encouragement this morning over every hand that is in the air that this is your sons, these are your daughters that are in a place of great need right now. They need your refuge, they need your strength, they need your spirit poured out upon them. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would institute strength in them. That you would know that, that they would know that they have a place, not just of refuge in there, but in a place of refuge with one another. But you have created space for them to become of one body, one spirit, one mind, one under one baptism and one Lord. Would you begin to just pour into their heart this morning, God? Remind them of your deep committed love to them. And as they love you, they will begin to love others with the same measure. I'm thankful for a place where you see all people. You see those people right now that are struggling, God. That are struggling. I pray that you would release the boldness in the room this morning, God. That these people that are struggling with the weight of the world, that they would, they would begin to just believe for greater days. That they would begin to believe that you have a place for them, you have a tribe for them, you have a home for them. Holy Spirit, have your way in this house. Move in the hearts of every person in this room. Maybe you've put your place of safety in things of the world and, and you just need to repent and you need to turn. Maybe today is the day of salvation for you. And if that's the case, I ask that you just tell the Lord all your worries right now. Just tell him, Lord, I need you. Jesus, I have to have you. I need you to come and be Lord of my life. I've missed it, but you never did.